The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber live from separate locations. Futures are red as the Bears can really pick their poison today. Retail sales down 16-4. Worst two months in the history of the data set. China tensions as the U.S. moves to cut Huawei off from U.S. tech. And some states that have opened, like Texas, showing record high daily caseload. Oil still chasing 29. But it really was uh, the Huawei news, Jim. Uh, that took the wind out of the uh, took the wind out of the sails of futures earlier this morning. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm not saying it's unexpected uh, because a lot of the chip companies that I know uh, have built in the fact that they're not going to get any Huawei business. I, I think the thing uh, that's that scared people and is scaring people is that retaliation comment that mentions Boeing. Of course, it did not mention Apple, but Apple's acting terribly. It did not mention applied materials. They had a great quarter. The stock is now reversed badly because of this. Uh, it is just a surprise. Uh, I don't understand what's happening with Boeing. I mean, you've got this. You, you've got both. You've got the CEO who is blasting the clients, and then you have China doesn't want Boeing, and you've got a queue for Boeing planes that seems to be dissolving. So I know we'll hear from uh, Phil, but I don't like anything I'm hearing about Boeing. Nothing. Yeah. You mentioned the the op-ed, uh, the editorial editor for the Global Times. He does say, uh, based on what I know, if you block further, uh, we can add you to the unreliable list, as you see here. And he says Qualcomm, Cisco, Apple, as well as suspending the purchase of some Boeing planes. Yeah, I mean, it's just terrible. I mean, we don't want to. Now, look, it, the, the China haters and the China lovers should look at our retail sales this morning. And should say hey, the haters should say, you know what, maybe we've got to shut up a little bit here. Maybe we're not as strong as we'd like and we should hold out to when we're stronger because this is exactly. And I've been the hardest line on China. Everybody knows that I, I, I'm harder than Peter Navarro, harder than Ban- than Bannon. But this is not the time to cause some sort of trade war that escalates to the point where we have tariffs like 1930. I mean, what are we crazy? I mean, look, I don't like it. I mean, who knows? I still say the Wuhan virus, whatever. But this is not the time. We're not strong. You don't want to replace oh, Smoot, Hawley, and I don't know. I'm a little discouraged. David, I'm discouraged. Yeah, I don't. Well, I don't blame you. I mean, I wonder whether, Jim, we're going down this road and all you need to do is look at the headlines or look at the rhetoric uh, from many countries, including our own, that says, hey, Corporation, what you make in this country or what you make, period, stays here. We don't let you sell it anywhere else. We're going to husband the resources that you have as a result of whatever it is that you produce. That's starting to happen, Jim, and that could be a dangerous sign. Yeah, I cannot disagree with you. 
it is, aside from COVID, the bear, most bearish sign, because right now, if anything, we need cooperation. We obviously haven't figured out the disease. Uh, the retail sales number is going to produce literally millions of people to be unemployed. And we're taking on China right now. I mean, why don't we take them on six months from now? Why, why right now? We need to sell things. We need to do better. Or otherwise, there's just going to be 11 companies left in the, in the retail and restaurant group. 11. The only ones with strong but balance sheets. Jim? Yes? Jim, would you be surprised if we saw a tweet uh, from the president sort of ratcheting up tension again or bringing up the idea, hey, the trade deal was great, but, you know, maybe we need to revisit it? I, well, I don't know. I but think it, it could it, go the other scenario, way. You know, we've seen this in the past. Say again. I think it could go the other way. I think you can say, you know Uh what, my great friend, President Xi, uh, knows that there are things that they're doing wrong. And I think we can come together. But obviously, some some business changes have to be made. I had S&P Global on. They've been allowed to come in and do their own non-joint venture. No one seems to know that. Uh, NVIDIA was able to close in the Mellanox deal. No one seems to recognize that. I think not an olive branch, not an olive branch, uh, not a carrot, but, Mm -hmm. uh, but not a howitzer saying, look, this is a time where we can really work together. We'll sort out our problems. Uh, But this idea of Huawei doing this, if you make these changes, then we are willing to come to the table. But you got to make the changes first. And I think that's what the president, uh, what what needs to be said, given the fact that he already has uh, some bad cops out there. He needs to be a little bit more good cop, even if for a second, it makes us look like uh, we're nice to the Chinese. We have right. to do it. Well, I'm quoting him from Fox yesterday. Uh, there are many things we could do talking about China. We could cut off the whole relationship. Uh, now, if you did, what would happen? You'd save $500 billion. That was the quote from yesterday. So if there's anything dovish on China, Jim, today or next week or this month, uh, that's going to be, I think, confusing to some. Well, I think that the one thing I would say is the president could say, I have put out our conditions. Uh, I would like them to come to the table and do more, not just that I know they're doing stage one. And I, I, I think that this is, you know what we want. Uh, we come both needing uh, business uh, you keep paying the tariffs and we will do business. But you've got to make Huawei an independent company that doesn't do anything involved with high tech, but does lower tech. In other words, we don't want Huawei to be an instrument of the uh, military, which is really the issue, by the way. Uh, I, it's time. Again, yeah. no olive branch. But the president needs to say that my great well, friend, she and I need to, need to make a phone call. I mean, it's time for a phone call. Jim, you. You were the one who told Becky this week to ask Navarro about Taiwan, and now you got Taiwan Semi building a $12 billion plant in Arizona. Yeah, I had a kind of instinct on that one. Uh, I, I do think that that was an, a tremendous coup for the president. That's a gigantic foundry. They are the best foundry maker, not Intel. It was kind of weird that Intel got in there. The more press releases from Intel. That's not, that is not the old Andy Grove Intel, I'll tell you that much, or, or Gordon Moore. Uh, that, that's a big, big win. Those factories have are chock full of, of equipment. If you go over the Applied Materials Conference call, they were saying demand is strong. They see a lot of business coming. They think that memory chips are strong. And that stock went from 52 to 56 and then to 57. And now all the way back because of this comment. And that's those are we own 
the semiconductor capital equipment business. That is one of the greatest intellectual property industries, and we own it, and we don't want that crimped. This was a terrific, terrific thing that we got this, and I don't think it was the right time to take on the Chinese because this was a win against the Chinese. Biggest out there. Right. You know, uh, $12 billion uh, plant may be done by 2024. I think 1,600 jobs, at least here I'm referring to uh, the journals reporting on this. Um, Do we know, Jim, about subsidies, either state or federal subsidies? I ask that because I do wonder whether other companies, other U.S. companies, may similarly ask for for subsidies or some sort of a break here if, in fact, they're considering building uh, plants as well. It's a great question. I went to the Israeli plant. Uh, Israeli Intel plant. I went on the Sabbath, which is a Saturday, uh, and there was no one there. And that's why because not allowed to work. But the plant was still going full bore. So they don't employ a lot of people once they're open. Uh, I went to the Irish plant and Ireland gave them tremendous, tremendous breaks uh, to get that plant. Uh, I think that to be competitive, it would be not so bad. We're paying people not to work. Uh, We're paying people to employ people doing this and that and we're sending out checks at Taiwan Semi would be the greatest company to be able to give them some money to do this. Uh, I I just think it's just such it's it is such a win. You know, and this was the wrong day to have the regular. The president should recognize that this was the day he should have been taking credit for this incredible win, uh, talking about what incentives others can benefit and not have a, uh, a the old Huawei news, which the which most of the semiconductor companies knew already. He, he heard himself on this time to call President Xi. It is. Yeah. This well, was you a can huge forgive people win. if they if they haven't kept track of the uh, of the Huawei story as it's moved along, Jim. I thought it was years ago we'd already banned the ability of chips to be sold to Huawei. It's been very hard to keep track of all yeah, the different you're right. things that we've done there. And meanwhile, the company is still thriving, it appears, in terms of worldwide markets and its market share. Well, we, we, uh, the United States is not against the core business that they do of, of, tele, of handsets. It's the yeah. military stuff they do. And it's largely, I believe, controlled no, by the 5G. PRC. I've yeah. said that to the, to the government many times. Look, I've talked to these Agent, guys. Prior to, I'm sorry. prior to all the stuff we're talking about this morning, I, I do wonder how impressed you were that we held the 50-day on uh, some of these major indices and, and saw a nice bounce back as they tried to circle the wagons below 23K. Well, I know that the VIX is still too high, uh, which means that the volatility is really back. Uh, but this is a day where they'll take everything down off of retail sales and off of Huawei, and they'll come right back to COVID stocks to the COVID winners. Uh, Why will they do that? Because their numbers are too low. I have Wix on tonight. They help small to medium-sized businesses make websites. Their business is as good as Shopify's. You want to watch Shopify, Twilio, and Wix. They are the ways that small businesses can move from brick and mortar, okay, from brick and mortar to the web, which obviously is the most important thing in the world, given the fact that you can't, you're non-essential. I mean, the government made so many the government's made so many companies non-essential. And they, so the only real choice they had to sell goods was to go Etsy, to go Shopify, to go Wix, uh, go Twilio. And that's what's happening. So you'll see that. Watch those stocks. They're the four that will go up. Is there a sense that um, I mean, Walmart reports on Tuesday, Jim, uh, Monster. and in the on the heels of when we, 
I know. We, we got non-store up 8-4 uh, on today's number, but people are talking about a double-digit comp for Walmart in the quarter. Oh, it could be, and this is, the, this is the breakout quarter for food. Remember, Walmart has a huge store base, and it acts as the warehouse. It is it's a great, Doug McMillan is a great guy, and it has been a fantastic run for him. First, he, what's he do? He takes the wages up cuts his own numbers to get the wages up because he needs to have people uh, who stay at the stores. And the Walmarts I go to now, you see the same manager that you used to. That never happened. And their online strategy, which is so fabulous, uh, is uh, killing it. You're going to see a number. I don't know. They can do a plus 30 uh, online strategy. I'm not kidding. Plus 30. This is the biggest store in the world. Dominant store. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, we're going to obviously have our eyes peeled for that, even as we uh, look at some of the other categories today on the on the retail sales number, clothing down 79, furniture down 59. A lot to get to this morning, guys. We're going to get industrial production after the break. And then we're going to talk to the president of the NYSC as they announce this limited reopening of the trading floor for May 26th. Stacey Cunningham is with us after the break. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Friday data has been tough to look at. We've been talking all morning about retail sales uh, down 16.4, X Auto down 17.2. Obviously, the worst on record as uh, categories are down double digit all over the place. Although I will point out, Gary Cohn, uh, formerly of the National Economic Council, said it reflects that people did shelter in place. It, uh, they did what they were told to do. Empire was weak, and now we're going to get industrial production. For that, we're going to go to Rick Santelli. Hey, Rick. Yes, industrial production, one of the older numbers we get, it goes back to 1919, over 100 years. Capacity utilization wasn't added until 1967. We're waiting for our April read on both of those. And while we are waiting, we do acknowledge that some of the numbers, of course, being past March, are going to be very relevant. But the seasonal adjustments may take a while to catch on. The data seems to be running slow. Let's go to the charts until we get it. Look at the intraday of two-year note yields today, uh, acknowledging that we've traded down as low as 13 basis points, 0.13. Why is that significant? Because we've never closed under 14 basis points thus far. And if we look at 10-year, traded as low as 58 basis points. 54 is its all-time low yield close. 31 basis points, its all-time low intraday. Now, here are the numbers. Down 11.2, 11.2 on industrial production. And I'd say drumroll, but it's just not good news. Not shocking, but not good because 11.2 down is the biggest in 101 years. We've never been a month-over-month change that large. The previous was a little over 10%. And on utilization rates, 64.9. Also, the lowest ever going back, as I said, to 1967. The prior all-time low uh, utilization rate was 66.6. They probably rounded it out back then to 67%. So these numbers obviously aren't good. 
Uh, if we look at interest rates, which I was just talking about, you can see they haven't moved much. They have moved up a little bit because all this news is totally expected. And finally, the dollar index. Look at a one-week chart. We're up a bit on the week. We settled right around 99 and three quarters last week. Uh, and it's down just a bit today. But yesterday, it settled close to 100 and a half. And here's the reason I'm mentioning it. You know, negative rates has been pushed against by the Fed, maybe not as hard as I would have pushed back. And investors are still convinced that it may happen, whether it's your dollar options or certain Fed fund futures contracts. But the pushing back at all by the Federal Reserve, Jay Powell, for example, has really given some strength to the dollar. Think about it. If we're not going to go into negative rates or at least try to avoid them, that is a plus for your currency. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick, we'll handle uh, some of those numbers in a bit. Uh, of course, the other big news of the day is that the New York Stock Exchange is set to reopen at least part of the trading floor the day after Memorial Day, May 26th. The president of the NYSE, Stacey Cunningham, joins us this morning. Stacey, it's great to have you back. I know you got a busy morning of interviews. Thanks for coming to us first. Thank you. It's great to be back. And it's nice to not be doing an interview from my laptop. So it's kind of nice to be on the trading floor. And I look yes. forward to having you guys back here, too. So uh, we want to get into all the details of how you're going to do this, but uh, I guess the first question is, uh, what led you to believe that now is the time, or that May 26th will be the time? You know, there are a number of factors we've been very closely monitoring since we closed the floor on March 23rd. First, we wanted to see how conditions in New York City are progressing and learn a lot more about the virus. And we have learned a lot over the past two months. We've seen conditions in New York start to return. We're looking at what the overall impact is on the economy and felt that this was the right time to start making measured changes toward a path forward. And importantly, we are not on the other side of this pandemic, but we're not going to be for a long time. So we need to start making measured, taking measured steps to get us to a new norm that we're going to have to live with for a while. All right. And in terms of details, uh, it's a limited number of, uh, of, of people on the floor. They will have to maintain distance. Don't take public transportation. Temperature checks when you walk in. Are you convinced that all of this can be done without a large number of cases in the building or can you hold it to zero? What's your what's your target? Yeah, the goal is not to eliminate any single positive case. Obviously, our country is still dealing with this pandemic. There are going to be new cases. The plans that we put in place are designed to prevent an outbreak and certainly to prevent an outbreak on the trading floor. One of the things we focused on as we structured those plans is who's impacted most. And I think that's an important message for all of us as we're thinking about how do we reopen cities is let's look at who's impacted most and help help those people. When you think about the trading floor community, there's a mix of people that work down here each day. Some of them for independent small businesses with less than 20 people that work there. And some of them are much larger corporations. So while we're bringing back roughly Less, less than 15% of the overall people that work in this building. It's about roughly 25% of the trading floor community, but it's heavily skewed toward those small businesses so they can get back to earning a living. Uh, Stacy, Jim Kramer, congratulations on reopening. It's really important for America. Thanks, Jim. Uh, can you tell me uh, what it will be like? I know you're going to do uh, physical distancing, which is terrific, but I, I'm not sure how that works. And will people uh, be required to wear masks? Yes, people will be required to wear masks and we're going to require social distancing and we're going to have a zero tolerance on those policies because we want to make sure that we can do this effectively. The way we've structured the reopening plans is we've started with, as I mentioned, those independent floor broker communities. They're representing orders for institutional clients around the world. And we're going to start with them because they largely aren't able to provide that service in a full way at all remotely. 
the market makers who are typically standing around these posts, we're going to keep them at home at first. They're larger companies, and they are able to do most of what they're doing remotely. So by keeping them home and starting with the floor, the floor brokers that stand around the perimeter of the floor, it also limits the need to walk around the trading floor. They can do a lot more of their trading in their booths. And so that, that's where we're starting uh, the initial phase, reopening phase. And it's important to recognize that this is phase one. There will be phase two, but it's not necessarily a straight path. And I think that's going to be true for America, too. We're going to have to watch and learn. And there'll be a bit of a learning curve as we look at how can we put these protections in place to, to limit overall uh, outbreaks. Stacey, the most exciting part of the New York Stock Exchange is when there's an IPO and all the broker, floor brokers are all huddled together. It's really terrific trying to feel the opening. That won't happen anymore, huh? Well, we've been doing a lot of virtual celebrating. And so very quickly in March, we started a series of virtual calls because the NYC community and our listed company community is such an important part of who we are. And so what we started to do was bring in experts like Dr. Scott Gottlieb or economists to speak about what's happening and what they can see. And we, we started to convene those virtual events in March as soon as, as soon as we saw the outbreak really was spreading and people started to shelter at home. We've also been exploring and having a lot of fun with how do we celebrate IPOs virtually. At some point in time, people will come back into this building and, and, and party the way we like to do. But in the meantime, we're going to use a mixed, mixed level of mediums for, for the foreseeable future. Stacy, it's David. Um, you said in the press release uh, announcing your plans to reopen that um, recent data demonstrated the trading floor saves investors millions of dollars each day by making transactions more efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, so over the last couple of months, have investors been suffering uh, millions of dollars in potential costs that they otherwise would not have had to uh, have suffered? Yes, especially around the closing auction. So our, our fully electronic auctions still are highly efficient and they, and they are frankly better than other electronic auctions out there and the data, the data show that. But when you add the trading floor in, you see a much larger sized uh, bids and offers. And so it makes those auctions even more efficient. And you see those, that price discovery process when you get to layer on human judgment even better to the tune of roughly $15 million a day. So that is a savings for investors that we're looking to be able to reintroduce so that they get that full benefit. Right now, we're, we're offering a partial service. It's still really good service, but it's not as good as we can be. And so that's what we're looking to reintroduce. Finally, Stacey, um, we're all going to have to sign a statement that we acknowledge the risks when we go back in the building. Uh, to what degree does that protect the exchange from uh, liability? And what do you think business should demand in the way of liability protection? You know, I think what's really important and the reason why we're requiring waivers as well is because of the restrictions that we're putting in place. And keep in mind, most of the people that are in this building on the, or in the trading floor don't work for the New York Stock Exchange. So for us to say, if you want to come back, you need to wear a mask, you need to social distance, you need to agree to the protections we put in place so that we can continue to keep the rest of the community safe. And so our actions are really dependent on, on each other. And that's what that agreement is about for us, is to make sure that they understand, hey, we're choosing to come in here. And in order to, to get that access, we're going to agree to follow the, the new rules that are part of our new norm, at least for the short term. But probably for a while. I mean, this isn't, this isn't going to be you yeah. know, going away in the next couple months. Yeah, I think we're all eyes open on that. Stacey, uh, thanks for uh, helping people understand. Uh, as an important op-ed you wrote in the journal uh, last night. Stacey Cunningham is the president of the NYSC. We'll see you soon. Thanks. I hope so. we got to take steps to get there, though. Yeah. 
There's a look at futures here off uh, the session lows with the opening bell in about uh, five and a half minutes. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. Want to uh, take a look at the airline sector as we do uh, almost every day for obvious reasons. Phil LeBeau joins us now. Focus there on whether or not those airlines can really eliminate the middle seat and hope to have any sense of profitability. Phil. Uh, the short answer is no, David. They're going to have to either raise tickets or make some other adjustments. Representative Peter DeFazio, who runs the House Transportation Committee, he saw these types of images, uh, which are not on all flights, but on some flights on high-volume routes like New York to San Francisco or Dallas to Chicago. And he said, wait a second, what's going on here? These planes are completely full. There's no social distancing. So he has sent a letter to the airline saying, you know what? Planes shouldn't be more than 67% full. Let's strip out the middle seat, make sure that it's not filled. This is what it would look like on a typical 737 if the middle seat was declared empty and kept empty you'd have about two-thirds of the plane filled about 67 70 percent close to that now if you went to true social distancing which is what some people are calling for this is how many seats would be filled look at that you'd have maybe 20 people in economy another four in business class this is unsustainable. This is not a business model that even if you said, well, we'll raise ticket prices, there's no amount of raising ticket prices that people are going to pay in order for social distancing on a plane to work. And that's why when you take a look at the uh, airline stocks, keep in mind that they're averaging about 17 passengers per plane right now. Now, that's when it's filtered out over the whole system as of right now. The flight levels down 93% in terms of how many people are flying right now in the United States. And finally, keep in mind that they are also burning through about $10 billion in cash. That's what they burned through in April. It's come down a little bit in May. But guys, that's an unsustainable business model if you strip out that middle row unless you do a substantial raise in ticket prices. Yeah, the economics just don't work at all, as you've made the point, uh, Phil. Thank you, Phil LeBeau. Speaking of unsustainable business models, we did mention JCPenney uh, had been halted news pending. That news expected to be a bankruptcy filing. Uh, did get some uh, 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 news on the, or at least information on the bonds. Remember, that's where the action is. But the unsecured, unsecured bonds trading around five cents on the dollar. Now, it is unsecured, but nonetheless, we'll wait and see when we actually get the news for you. A lot more Squawk in the Street coming up. Can't take your eyes off the semiconductors this morning as the Commerce Department moves to isolate Huawei even further. Qualcomm's the worst performer on the S&P, although the Dow now just 40 points from the flat line. We're back in a minute. 
time for a Friday edition of Stop Trading. Boy, I got to tell you, I understand you have VF Corp one. Uh, really disappointing numbers. Vans down 7%. Worth face down 14%. Gigantic miss. But they said they're going to keep the dividend. A lot of people felt they may cut it. So the stock opens down almost three, and then it roars up a couple of bucks. If this, though, if this stock goes up today, then I got to tell you, there's something going on that we're not, that we're not aware of because it was not a good quarter. Hmm. And I like him. He's good, Steve. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there has been some work, Jim, on the largest dividend pl- uh, payers uh, in terms of just dollars. And um, to a large degree, they've kept the dividend. It right? is there's been incredible. very little uh, suspension or cuts. Yeah, it is incredible. And I think the benchmark was ATT saying that actually they have a, it's not even a worry about the, uh, about the dividend. You know, then obviously there's some retailers and some restaurants that have absolutely no choice and had to eliminate it. But uh, it's not as bad as people thought. Just like it's much better. I mean, look, Norwegian Cruise got the money. I regard that as being an unbelievable thing. Uh, Carnival got yeah. the money. Uh- Royal Caribbean leading the S&P even as we speak. Isn't Jim. that something? The other point I wanted to get get to you this morning is uh, is crude. I mean, what if what if WTI has a three handle once again? What what's that going to signal to to investors that there are about seventy companies that we're going to go under that uh, can live the fl- to fight again? Very bullish, by the way, for Wall Store, uh, Banks Wells Fargo, which has a a, a large oil portfolio. Uh, I'm not recommending, it, but I'm telling people who. Uh, we're buying it, that maybe they're buying it in part because oil going up really takes a lot of pressure off them. Yeah, uh, certainly one one less problem we right. have to worry one about. Jim, so how about tonight? One less problem is the way to look at it. Well, we've got some Wix, which is unbelievable, probably going to be the best stock. was up 20 yesterday. Um, we've got a, a private company uh, that does biodegradables. I care passionately about that. And then we've got DraftKings, which has, is up 10 straight points. DraftKings is the new stock market. Got to get what El Presidente thinks about that. On a, That's David. Porter. On a week where all these, all this drip, 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 Jim, about NBA uh, conference calls with Adam Silver, MLB getting things in line with the unions. I mean, it's starting to feel like we're going to get something. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why the market's kind of feeling okay. Is there are some parts of our lives that actually resemble our previous lives? Not a lot, but some. I, I say as I cook tonight. Again, <laughs> again, what do you and got? again. Anything good? I'm uh-huh. going to barbecue some chicken. I, I, I got some good barbecue sauce, you know. Uh, I, what something. can I say? I barbecue chicken. I yeah, cook steak. Right. Then I cook barbecue steak. Chicken. Then I, barbecue, I had a can of tuna. It goes well with a bottle of tequila. Right, it's no, Friday mezcal, night, right? So. Mezcal. I'm going to yeah. pound it. Mezcal. Pound mezcal, it like, you know, pound Sorry, it like there's mezcal. never been. Drink the worm, David. The old days used to have a worm. No, every day is exactly the yeah, same, okay? That. Every day is the same. And all you do is ask that. people about what book and Netflix, what book and Netflix. Yep. Maybe it's documentaries yep. this week. Every day. You know, World War II in color. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on the house parties we do with our favorite couple, uh, we always say, did we talk about this last weekend? Because it feels like we're having the kind of same <laughs> conversation again. Yeah. As Mike Corbett uh, told me, Jim, it's Tuesday. Every day is Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Tuesday. The worst day of the week. think schools will open in the fall? It's it's Wednesday. You think schools will open in the fall? It's Thursday. (laughs) Hey, what do you think about school opening in the fall? (laughs) Yeah, I'll see you on Zoom, partner. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, 
packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 